Welcome to Voices of Gen Z on WMCK Radio. Today is our last show on WMCK uh, for the for the fall semester as we head into Thanksgiving break this week. We've had a wonderful time talking with all of the students this semester about lots of different stuff, ranging from the elections and their impressions of the candidates to the role of athletes in promoting social injustice. We've touched base with the Civic Engagement Club that's new here on Merrimax campus. So it's been a really kind of great and exciting time to, to get to know the students a little bit better. Um, of course, as always, I'm joined with my co-host, Dr. Harry Wessel. And today we actually don't have any Merrimack students joining us on campus. Um, but today we're going to kind of do just a little bit of a wrap up of kind of how the semester has gone, the impressions of the students, and, and kind of just have a conversation about how we can maybe help students amplify their voices even more going forward especially in next semester as we kind of continue this, this same model of, of hybrid teaching, remote teaching. Like what's a, what are great ways to connect all of the students here at Merrimack regardless of whether they're remote or, or here on campus. So Dr. Wessel, I'm always eager to hear your impressions because you've, you've been here a lot longer than <laughs> I have. <laughs> so what you are mean, you- You mean on earth or- uh... <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. guess both <laughs> on Earth <laughs> and at Merrimack. <laughs> yeah, a but, very long, a lot longer in both cases. Oh, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, it, as far as the recapping goes, uh, the first thing that comes to mind um, is you know the diversity of the student students that came on. Their political views, I think, pretty much uh, covered the gambit. But the one thing in common is that they were all very much engaged. And uh, I, I believe, I hope, and I believe that they're a very good representation of Gen Z, which is what this program is all about. And uh, uh, the other thing is that uh, moving forward, um, hearing that there is a civic engagement club that you, uh, uh, Dr. Dobbs, have been very uh uh, helpful in, in putting together. I'm really excited about that. I hope they will be very much engaged with uh, with us as we move forward. Um, can you tell us a little bit about where the club is right now? Sure. Yeah. They um, the really remarkable thing about the club is not only one kind of their idea that it should be a non it's not that it's nonpartisan because there's definitely they want to talk about partisanship and politics, but it's inclusive, so which I thought was interesting and that it was centered on civic engagement and had that sort of orientation. You know, I know on campus we've had there's been a Democrats a group and a conservative club. And the fact that they it's not that they wanted like an apolitical club that is just about, you know, doing work in the community, but doesn't have this political dimension to it. They want the politics and they want to engage with it, but they want to engage with everyone and be inclusive of it. And they're not afraid of that sort of engagement, which I think is pretty cool, because I think in the past, especially in teaching intro U.S. politics course, I always feel like the students come in like kind of scared to talk because they don't want to be judged for their views where this group of students this semester were a lot more like they weren't confrontational in the sense that they were willing to like get at each other but they were willing to confront the reality that america is very divided 
very mm-hmm. polarized. They're very aware of this and they want to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. And they're not afraid to tackle those sort of issues, which I think is pretty cool. Like a lot of people, I think, get turned off by politics because of the polarization where it seems that at least Gen Z and at least the students in our classes here are, are not turned off. It actually gets them going to want to be more engaged, which I think is pretty cool. So the, and that, I think, where the club is right now, it has over like 25 members currently. Wow. Yeah, which, you know, I know they're, they're just, they, I think they had their first meeting last Friday. Um, so they, they haven't done, you know, a ton being brand new and just being official, but they did get, they do have a lot of interest. And the cool thing is that professors across departments, like a professor in engineering and and sciences, the hard sciences, like they're reaching out to me, hey, I'd have some students who are interested in being more involved. They're not poli-sci majors. They're not even liberal arts students. They're like in totally other parts of campus, but they're hearing about this club and they want to be a part of it so much so that they're asking other professors to find the professor who's helping with this stuff and to reach out to them, which I think is pretty cool. Um, we, they were involved in the, uh, there was a panel at Merrimack, I think it was two, it was two Fridays ago mm-hmm. about civil discourse on campus. And the Dean Karen Ryan actually invited that club specifically to come and talk, which I think is another cool thing that this club is doing is that it's, bringing in students into typically faculty-led conversations, at least in my view, like those, these, these panels that we have on Fridays have usually been faculty-centered, but it was very much like everyone there was really interested to hear about what the students had to say and took what they were saying very seriously about civil discourse and how we can be more inclusive in our classrooms. So it's cool. I mean, I feel like they're becoming pretty empowered. And, and the three, I think, that came to the panel, they were all freshmen. Mm-hmm. And I, as a freshman at Butler, I would have never done anything like that. Like, I would never have had the confidence to, to one, join a club, and two, we'll start a club, and two, like, tell other professors how they should, what they could do to improve, you know, inclusivity in their classrooms and create a space where people of all partisan backgrounds felt comfortable. But here they are, just, you know, no inhibitions in a, in a good way. Right. And two things that I hear that are very positive is the fact that they're proactive and they want to be engaged, but they also, I think they really get a sense of what's going on and what has been going on in the country at all the ages. We've talked about this because we've had, um, you know, we've had a guest lecturer from biology and, uh, and, you know, we talked a lot about this in terms of he's closer to my generation and the sense that we maybe the older generation is just sort of given up. And by that, I mean, we just reconciled ourselves that we're in our own little uh, cubby holes and we don't talk to each other. If we disagree politically, they're both aware of the polarization in the country and really want to do something about it. And, uh, and that's, that's very encouraging. And the other thing I'm hearing, and this isn't actually new, um, which is that there are students across the campus, across departments and disciplines and majors that are very much interested in this subject. It may not be their main subject, maybe an engineering student, a biology student, a health science student, but they do care uh, about 
these these uh, these other pictures, if you will, um, in terms of civic engagement in politics. And, you know, that's actually been something that I can say for over the years is uh, the Student Government Association, for example, is very often dominated by non-political science majors. And while you and I both I know, love our political science majors. Uh, I think the idea of moving forward um, with this club, this civic engagement club, is to get more students involved um, who aren't political science majors. Yeah, definitely. And maybe they don't want to do, you know, moot court or model UN or some of the other uh, activities that are out there. That And I, I think, is moot, is moot court open to non-pre-law students? I don't know if it is or not, but I know like yes, model UN. Absolutely. It yes, is, yeah. It is. Yep. yeah, yeah. So there, this could be another venue, you know, if you if, if Model UN or Moot Court isn't your thing, um, you want something maybe a little less structured in terms of, of what you can do with the club, th- this would be a great opportunity for any students who are wanting to do that. And, uh, can, I, can I just jump in? I, I'm rethinking this. I know United Nations model UN is open to everyone. I'm not sure that Moot Court, I'm, I don't want to misspeak. I'll have our advisors down my throat if I've misspoken. So, um, but I know you know, model UN has always been open to anyone on campus. Um, so. Yeah. And maybe there'll be some crossover now just because I, I think it's a lot of it's about networking and, and getting the word out there and knowing what opportunities are out there for kids to be more and students to be more involved in politics related stuff. Yeah. It's been, it's been cool to see the amount it was kind of almost like a tidal wave of activism. And I don't know, maybe last year, because it was my first year here, I just was focused on like just getting settled right in my first like post-grad school position. And so it was just week to week, just making sure I'm getting this, getting this down. Um, but it seems like this semester, especially they're just, it's almost like a tidal wave of students just asking, what can I do? Where can I have these conversations? Um, really engaged classroom time with critical discussions online and like in the classroom. They just seem like something has happened to where they're they're tweaked a little bit more now to to want to be engaged, kind of regardless of what their major is, which I think is pretty cool too. And to, and in terms of moving forward, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about your idea, which I'm very excited about the the podcast plans. Sure. Yeah. I mean, this is like, this was literally just a little nugget of an idea, but we have this Voices of Gen Z podcast, which Dr. Wassel and I are like technically the owners of, but it's, it's like, I mean, I view it as a political science department kind of podcast that could hopefully maybe eventually be more uh, student led, right? Uh, Faculty led, or or at least could be used as a venue for students uh, to have that conversations. Um, but uh, my thought is, and I don't know if uh, there's Merrimack students listening who know this, like where my office is and where Dr. Wessel's office is currently, there's like a big front room that's pretty empty, kind of like a waiting area for students. And uh, every time I walk in, I'm always like, what can I do with this space? Because right. <laughs> my, my office is, itself is kind of tiny, but, you know, it's fine. But I'm like, I could extend, like if this area could be extended out to be something, a space for students to come and have conversations about politics or social injustice, or it could just be like a meeting spot for students who want to have civil discourse discussions. Like even like this is where we're going to meet weekly for our coffee chats, where we just talk about politics and like coffee and donuts could be provided and just bring students together to talk about these issues. 
but I thought maybe in one corner of it could be like a podcast setup. So I can, I think I'm able to get my hands on some podcast equipment that could be donated to the department. And then um, we could set up like an actual area of that room to be dedicated to podcast space. So the students would have access to like really, you know, relatively good equipment and that they can use it whenever they want to record podcasts and then they can upload it, you know, to the Voices of Gen Z podcast to use whenever they want. Um, but then I my the kind of broader idea is that this space would become like a student space, um, kind of how some other departments have like lounges for graduate students and whatnot. Like it could be like a political space on campus that is just where they know they can go and they're going to have faculty in that area who are supportive of them and who they can ask questions to if they have any and they can have their meetings there and it's just like they can use it however they want um and maybe the podcast is just like kind of like one part of it but it's just like an, an environment that is for them to have these civil discussions that they are saying that they want to have it's exciting. Uh, to, in case uh, any listeners want to know what we're talking about, one of my, uh, our colleagues, Mark Allman, in the Religious uh, th- Studies uh, Department, nicknamed it the Harry Potter Room because it's under the stairwell. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually next to the stairwell in Cushing. So, um, and I think it would be wonderful to 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 use that space. Uh, I agree completely. Yeah, and it'd be great if they could. Maybe we can get some ideas from them next semester on what the students might want. You know, if you had your own blank canvas to create a space for having these sort of discussions that you want to have on campus as like, you know, what would that look like? And then try to help support them in creating that space for them. Um, And it's I think space right now is so important because some students are at home. Some students are here on campus but are isolated to their dorms. And I think space has become increasingly like an important thing that matters to people, like where you're going to be hanging, how you're going to, where you're going to be having these conversations. Um, So I just wonder if if we could create that for them, if it would just make it a little bit easier or kind of make it a, you know, for them to think, to, to visualize what this is going to look like for them in terms of engaging in discussions. Um, yeah, and if there's even a possible way to get a computer in there that they could access, you know, if they did need to Zoom students in, I mean, I'm sure they are, they'll have iPads and stuff and laptops. I'm sure it's not a problem, but just something, some place where they they know, okay, this doesn't have to just be happening in my dorm where I only have, you know, only my roommate can come in. Like they can they can have this area, um, and I don't know, you know, with COVID protocols and stuff, what we would need to do. But it just might be an interesting idea to just get the ball rolling on how to create a brave space for students to engage in political discussions um, in our department to, and it would get them over to us maybe a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Of course, it'll all depend on whether we're physically there. In the yeah. That's still up in the air, of course, but. Yeah. I feel like it's definitely a fall 2021 sort of endeavor, but it could be like the ideas could be spun in the spring and then funding you know, there, I'm sure there's some like, there's gotta be, there's grants for everything out there um, that could be hopefully maybe even get some funding in to create, like recreate that space in there to make it, you know, if they want certain types of chairs or couches or whatever, they can maybe get that for them. Um, Cause I think there's like dorm room furniture in there right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
helping decorate the place is definitely. <laughs> I mean, I've already done my office now. I'm like, all right, that's good to go. Now I'm going to extend it out <laughs> to the rest of the area. Well, yeah. I have some political posters in my office that I can donate to that space if people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, even down to like, do you guys want rugs in here? Like, yeah. Like, how do you? I kind of think of it like it could be like some like coffee shop, you know thinking of like the very the very boston like coffee shop this is where i'm beating up to talk about politics like kind of fun area for them i don't maybe not i mean i have not talked to a student about this so maybe they're like we don't need this this is we don't this is not attracted to us at all but maybe it is anyways the room is there yeah <laughs> the room's there regardless but yeah well We'll see. It, it'll be interesting to see. I know the club, they did do their exit poll and they got over a hundred responses and they're, they're writing an article for the school newspaper right now about those results. Nice. Uh, so maybe they'll be on the podcast next semester to kind of talk about those a little bit. Um, so that'll be interesting too. So anyways, yeah, anyway, they've been impressive all semester, I think. Um, and it has been nice. Like a lot of our students on the podcast have been, like you said, very diverse in their, you know, whether they clean conservative, liberal, and they've all, I think I never felt like we had a moment where they were disrespectful or didn't allow someone to speak like, which I was really impressed by. Cause you can't say this. I can't say the same, like for family members or, you know, when listening to the news, like, so but I don't, I mean, has, has Merrimack ever had like a space like that before that I'm kind of talking about of like a designated kind of political, social, cultural area where like they can gather and do whatever they need to do? No, sadly to say that no, no space that, I, that I'm familiar with and I've been there very long time. So, you know, this would be very exciting. And, uh, you know, this is one of the things that, we're, we're taking a little bit of the lead on here, but this is where we want students to reach out with their ideas and, mm -hmm. and, and take this idea and run with it. Uh, and, uh, and then the sort of transition uh, to, to topics, you know, what, what should we be talking about as we move forward or in the middle of a transition, literally it looks like it's going to officially move forward now, finally, uh, from uh, President Trump to President-elect Biden. and But uh, it doesn't have to be, you know, obviously the presidential election is over. Maybe we should look to, to expand our horizons to, to, to other topics. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, they. Uh, I like love the idea last week of the athletes-oriented one. And yeah, that was fun. Yeah, and I, I think that's showing kind of the new direction. We've kind of exhausted some of these other topics. Um, It'll be interesting to see what the students come up with. We won't have the weekly radio show, unfortunately, but the podcast will always be there. So we'll see kind of where they kind of more organically come up with their own ideas of what they want to talk about. Um, I mean, I always, you know, the students in my classes, it'll always be an option for them to do right as like a, a part of their assessment, um, which was funny. I thought I would be kind of pulling teeth to get students to, to be on the podcast and, you know, offering lots of carrots. Um, but <laughs> I really didn't, like, it was, a, it was like sometimes overwhelming with how many wanted to be on it and then having to kind of space them out maybe a little bit. Um, 
and uh, students who are, have A's, you know, are wanting to be on it. They didn't need the extra credit. So, uh, yeah, it'll be cool to see what they want to talk about next next semester. So you, uh, I'm, okay. go ahead. No, I go for it. I was about to change direction. Yeah, it's exactly what I was going to do. So uh, we had had a quick preliminary talk about uh, um, music generated by your uh, your your other cohorts. How about you tell us about that? But uh, to start off, tell us a little bit about that student group and and mm -hmm. what your experience has been. Yeah, so listeners who don't know, um, I teach also in the early college program at Merrimack, and the the early college program is is uh, has some, is a state funded has some state funding with it, um, where they fund programs for colleges to connect with high schools to to identify really hardworking, high achieving high school students who who might need the extra bump to help them get into college and be, and, and not only get into college, but be successful when they get there, because usually their, their high schools maybe are, are huge. So the high school Merrimack works with is Lawrence and there's like over 4,000 students, which is like the size of my college. Um, and, and um, a lot of the students are first generation um, they, some of them actually English are just learning English, like over the past couple of years. And so they, they need a little bit more kind of support when it comes to getting into college, but then really being successful when they're there. So I, um, I get to work with them actually their very first year in the early college program and they have to test into it. So they're all very high achieving students, very good at, at, tasks like very good at grades and, and studying for exams and um they uh they're really remarkable to work with I mean they are I would say 98 percent of them represent communities of color um they're also young they're six, 15 16 so there there's definitely I think a, a, a gap between being 15 and being 18 like the other freshmen that I teach here at Merrimack um but they're very politically energized, which is cool. Like they come in, um, some of them are not super excited to take a US politics course because they just think it's gonna be a lot of debating and arguing. But once they get in it and realize it's it's really not about that, um, they are really into it and get really excited. And they're really passionate about politics and political issues. Um, Trump actually made a statement, a very negative statement about Lawrence when he was on the campaign trail and that that statement always comes up in their conversations and they're all very aware of that. And, um, they lean really, really far left, usually pretty liberal. Um, but they're very impressionable as well and open to learning about Republicans and conservatism. Usually their, their left leaning is more about, uh, I think being a Bernie supporter and just loving Bernie and everything that he's doing uh, more so than them understanding kind of the other side and, and knowing that that's not for them. Usually when they learn some about ideologies and policies that are more conservative tilt, they're, Oh, that actually makes sense. <laughs> Maybe I'm not as hardcore liberal anti-conservative as I thought I was, um, which is cool, but they are, they're definitely very different um, in terms of, their understanding of how politics impacts them in their communities. Lawrence is a sanctuary city, yep. right? And so one of the Republican on their, actually in their party platform, they said they were going to 
shut down sanctuary cities. And so that student body is very aware that politics impacts them in a real way. A lot of them come from, their families come from Puerto Rico as well. And they are really, they they write paper topics, uh, policy papers for my class. And uh, a lot of them are interested in really understanding, like, why can't Puerto Rico, you know, have more freedom? Um, the issues of identity kind of around whether Puerto Ricans are American citizens or they're Puerto Ricans or what does that look like? Um, they have a very international perspective, too, because they often travel back home um, to Puerto Rico and, and other countries that they're from. And uh, so they're, they're, they're a cool bunch. I think the coolest thing, though, that I've done in class was actually bring that cohort together with my Merrimack students uh, in a debate. And I did that last semester pre-COVID. So they got together and they debated issues of like immigration, abortion, legalizing marijuana, which is always a very popular topic. Um, and, uh, that was cool because at least in that class, the immigration debate, it seemed like the Merrimack students were typically more supportive of like border security, um, and and enhancing border security where the early college students were very anti anything, right. They want that's cause that's, that's their lives, but to, and then to bring them together and then to talk about that, that was cool because, they were like, okay, I, I'm, we're debating immigration, immigration, and I'm sitting next to a young person whose families are immigrants here, and and have had to deal with that in a real in a real way, or like know people who have family members who have been deported, that sort of thing. So it was cool, and I saw that mutual respect. Kind of, I was a little nervous at first to see how this was going to go, knowing my early college students were so passionate about their politics. Um, and they they weren't. They really got along. They loved talking with one another. They loved talking about their differences, which I thought was cool. And then, like, in their reflections on the activity, a lot of them expressed that, like, I had these notions about Republicans, and they were wrong. I had the no- these notions about Democrats, and that was wrong. Like, just by having these this simple exercise, they really felt like, oh, maybe I don't know everything about the other side or about other people's experiences, um, and there's value in talking with others who are, who have, are vastly different from me in terms of how I view the world. So that was cool. And I'd like to do more of that, more of that cross collaboration between the early college cohort and um, the Merrimack students here. I didn't do it this semester just because I didn't really know what to expect this semester in terms of COVID and how things were going to run. But next semester, I think would be more possible because I'll kind of know maybe how things are going to work. But yeah, it was, I mean, it's, it was cool. There are, and there's 10, there's 20, so there's pioneer scholars here on campus too, who are from the early college program who get full rides, 10 every year. So I think there's 20 now on Merrimack's campus who are from Lawrence High School who have full rides here at Merrimack. And so maybe they're listening right now and we're super proud of you. And if you meet a pioneer scholar, like they're super cool, super cool students. So um, and I know they're doing actually a lot of community engaged work at, at Merrimack right now, actually doing more of that uh, stuff, which is cool, too. I think also we could you know, expand it a little bit more and get both communities uh, to talk about just how we as a college interact with Lawrence as a city. I mean, this has been an ongoing. Uh, all right. Full disclosure, I've been here 33 years and I was involved in a program for over 20 years, it was called um, uh, Accept the Challenge. Uh, it was an ESL, what you would call an ELL program. And this is, you know, led me to support the 
project you're involved in your position and to do more but uh, we we don't have much of a memory uh we're usually doing things with Lawrence in any given moment over the three plus decades I've been here but we don't seem to remember that and kind of forget and then start something up again and it would be great if we could just bring it out a little bit more in the open and talk about what is our role as a college that sits at the top of the hill over this unbelievable community, you know, these, the immigrant city. At one point, it had 57 different ethnic uh, communities represented in Lawrence. Um, and it would just be great to see what Gen Z, uh, both from the Lawrence community and the Merrimack student body, uh, thinks about th how we interrelate and what could, what could we do more to collaborate with each community. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know there's like a whole host of different projects that the Office of Civic Engagement and Service Learning is involved in that goes into Lawrence. Um, a lot, there's like a civic engagement. I don't know if it's a full curriculum, but there's definitely a civic engagement course here at the graduate level mm -hmm. that does uh, community-oriented projects in Lawrence. But I think you're right. You're totally right in the sense of how do we have more conversations that are directly with the community and just asking them that question, like, what can we do, right? Instead of, I don't know, assuming, making any assumptions. And, and we've had that conversation in the, the community engagement working group that I'm on that, you know, that we, we need to not assume that we know what Lawrence needs, you know, in this time, we need to make sure we're asking them and coming together. But for some reason, I feel like I'm seeing this, like, whether it's a panel or it's almost like a town hall where like there's a space at maybe at Merrimack, maybe it's not at Merrimack, but when you invite like the community in to have these conversations about campus involvement, student involvement, um, maybe it takes place at Lawrence High School, you know, actually, but is there's definitely Merrimack representatives there to kind of bring these two major communities together, the Merrimack community and the Lawrence community. Um, yeah, it would be interesting to know if there's ever been a time where that sort of thing had happened, like some sort of big town hall discussion where anyone from the community is welcome to come. And, you know, I'm, I can't imagine we would get like hundreds of people there. But, you know, if you get 10 people there, you know, together to talk, like, I think that could be beneficial. And maybe it's even mostly Lawrence students, right, who want to see more collaboration with Merrimack students. And what, what would that look like? And um, how could that be achieved? I think that could be a really cool thing, especially post COVID, you know, because I feel like a, in a lot of ways we're going to be behind in some areas just because it's harder to, to, to reach out directly to people and be in communities because of all the distancing and whatnot. Um, but that might be a good thing to think about, like for 2021. What I like to explore is the possibility, and I don't know if your, your committee, your group, and, and the other groups that, that are meeting over these things have talked about it, but there was a time we actually had a physical structural presence in Lawrence. We had uh, a wonderful building uh, at 55 East Haverhill Street. It was called the uh, Urban Institute. And sadly, when things got a little tough in the mid aughts, I guess, we we decided to sell the the the, the structure. But it you know, it would be nice if we could actually be be a physical presence in Lawrence. I know that that requires a financial commitment. Um, but it's just a thought. 
or yeah, even I think that would be awesome. Maybe that goes back to that space idea. Like mm-hmm. what if, <laughs> exactly. what if, you know, like what if, if we have this space here at Merrimack that's dedicated to students, but maybe it's dedicated to the community as well. You know, where students from other, there can be a time where students from Lawrence or other surrounding areas can come in and interact. I don't know. But then we could have something similar. Maybe a building would be really nice. But like you said, it would take a financial commitment, which I'm sure is not out of the realm of possibility. But it might be interesting to see maybe what's at Lawrence. Could there be like a political space here at Merrimack and then one at at Lawrence High School? like in the early college academy there too, where there could be cross-cultural like exchanges. And I don't know, maybe that doesn't make any sense, but creating more spaces in each other's areas could be, I think you're right, is a, is a good idea. I think it warrants a conversation. Yeah. At a Lawrence Center at Merrimack College, the Lawrence Center at Merrimack College. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, you start with the conversation. I think yeah. I would- Definitely. And it could be like, I know the School of Education and Social Policy, right? Like they work a lot with Lawrence and Lawrence community. Like maybe it could be something done in collaboration with them. And uh, like maybe they have an idea for this sort of thing or are working on it. I don't know. I, I think you're definitely right. It warrants a conversation for sure. Because um, I do in the little, you know, the little tiny bit of nugget of insight I have about students in Lawrence, at least the ones I work with, they're very vocal, but then when they get in their classes where they're actually mixed in with Merrimack students, they're pretty quiet. Yeah. And I think they feel like intimidated, you know, to be with these college students who are very different than them. Um, and so what ways could we help to overcome that intimidation where there's like a barrier there for students? Um, and at least in a little exercise that I did at first, the first meeting they had was awkward. Like it was silent and awkward and giggles and then you had weird like you know these high school girls are now in a group with college boys and you're (laughs) they're just giggly Uh and you're like okay there's a lot going on here um but once they started going and interacting those walls like fell down um it'd be great if they could have more of those opportunities with one another you know outside of a classroom setting even i don't know but before we um move on and just one public service announcement about buzz driving prevention probably isn't okay when it comes to drinking and driving if you see a warning sign stop and call a cab a car or a friend buzz driving is drunk driving a message brought to you by the national highway traffic safety administration and the ad council and you're listening to w uh, voices of gen z on wmck radio but yeah these are all uh I mean, it seems like at Merrimack, there is such a strong commitment to community engagement and civic engagement, and that there's a lot of faculty across different departments who also really want to be involved, but maybe don't know how, you know, like, what are the first steps? The inception part is like the difficult part. Um, but you know, that um, the MacBooks, the grocery pie, like the idea of donating your extra Mac dollars to the Lazarus house, have you seen that come through your email? No, I did. I missed that. Yeah, so um, there's a flyer going on right now because Merrimack students, if they have extra Mac dollars, which apparently I guess a lot do, just because they're not. I don't know. I don't know their lives are like. I only come in to teach and then I go, Um, but they have extra money. 
Um, and so a student actually came to someone at the civic engagement center and was like, I, could I just give my Mac dollars to like, to like buy food? Cause like food insecurity is a real issue in Lawrence right now. Um, and so they actually, the student developed the idea and the initiative that's going around campus right now of how you can donate your extra Mac dollars to the Lazarus house and so that they can use that to buy food actually for the community, which I thought was pretty cool and innovative and simple, but it came from a student. It was like a totally a student led thing. Um, so even though I, there's lots of faculty who, who want to do more of this work and get involved, I think, too, the looking to, towards the students, they seem to be really ready and primed to come up with their own ideas of what we can do and how we can support them in uh, helping the community. But any other uh, thoughts today, Dr. Wessel, before we kind of wrap up our semester on... Uh, Voices of Gen Z on WMCK Radio. I have to say, uh, I think we've touched so many wonderful topics, and I'm very much excited. Is uh, just remind me, is our plan? Will we be back up and running uh, in the first week of February? The radio program? Are we? Are we definitely on? For the um, there, there have not been. Uh, there, the opening for applications is not opened yet. Okay. I don't think it'll, yeah, I don't think it'll open uh, till the semester starts. That's kind of how it happened this year. It was like first two weeks of the fall semester. The so it is renewed on a semester by semester basis. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it'd be interesting to see if if we're going to redo the process, whether or not uh, students have any uh, opinions or views of whether we might seek a better, is this a good time? Is there a better time that we, we could do it? I know this wasn't our first pick. I think it was our third, right? For a mm-hmm. time slot. Um, it is in the middle of the day during classes. I'm not sure um, whether there's a better time, but, um, but, it, but, but, it, but uh, the, uh, the other thing is that the podcast isn't contingent, right? We can, that's our thing, right? We're, yeah. We control that. And, and so maybe that's probably what our focus should be. And hopefully with the radio hour will continue, but we do have the podcast moving forward. Yeah, definitely. The, the podcast can be used. However, like we can, we can host a show or students can host it completely on their own. Like, I think it's really whatever students want to make of it. It's, it's theirs. Um, That'd be great. Yeah. We could be their guests. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um or they you know organizing it I think is for sure kind of the biggest the biggest hurdle but it really once it got going I mean it was not hard to find students who wanted to be on it but it'd be cool if we do the radio show again as well like to maybe have more student involvement in terms of the planning and uh kind of serving more of a lead as a lead behind sort of advisor on it um I think a lot of students they at the beginning, we're a little bit hesitant to give a topic, right? They, I think it, for some reason or another, must have provided a signal that like, these are the topics, you know, of course, anyone, you, any topic is welcome, please come in with your own, but they kind of like, let me fill in the topic ideas. And then as we got throughout the semester, later on, students were like, oh, okay, actually, I, I would like to talk about this. I think they gained a little bit more confidence in their voice. And so they wanted to talk about their own ideas. Um, so hopefully maybe we could start out the semester like that next year. But. You take the last couple of moments to, uh, to uh, 
talk up our classes. I know you're teaching. It's the first time, right? The democ. The, the, the tell us about your your uh, your courses for the spring. Yeah, so I'll, I'll be teaching U.S. politics. Um, I always teach U.S. politics, but my my ex, my like fourth course, uh, democracy development and violence, uh, is what I'll be teaching in the spring. So it'll be heavily focused on definitions of democracy and how it's applied throughout the world. A huge focus on revolutions and revolutionary transitions, because um, that's kind of my niche. And then uh, violence, of course, is going to be wrapped up with with most revolutionary efforts. Um, but just the role of violence kind of in general uh, and how it plays into the kind of ebb and flow of, of democracies across the world. So very comparative, um, but also very useful for understanding the U.S. democracy as well. Well, that's what I was going to uh, ask. Now that we've... Uh... We're about to have a new administration, which is uh, appears to be uh, go- going to be taking a less nationalistic and more globalization approach. Is that something? Hopefully, we maybe we could talk about the United States' role in the world and whether it, we should be more involved or not in these kinds of questions that you'll be talking about in class. Yeah, I always wondered: is there is does the department offer like a globalization yes. course? Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, I thought I thought so. Yeah, there could be a cool. I thought, uh, is there a U.S. foreign policy course? Yes, that's Dr. Russell. She okay. teaches U.S. foreign policy and 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 a case studies course. It's kind of a sequence class. Awesome, cool. Yeah, I think that'll be good for the other thing. I want to my, my my new class in my mind that I want to teach is like an environmental climate oh. change class on like a U.S role and democracies and um because it's like it's a topic that most young people are super interested in and it's what they see and and they're super involved like youth groups and big protest movements are all youth-led so i think it'd be an interesting thing to look at the role of youth and climate change policies and civil society and you know connecting that to the u.s kind of role abroad too and setting the standards for some of those things if, if we can even say that we do that um not sure that we can, but I was pleasantly surprised how many times that was mentioned uh, in our program by the students that that was a, a concern and, and a high priority. Yeah, I mean, I never thought I would be someone that passionate about environmental policy, but over the past like six months, because in getting all this feedback from students and from like my own research that climate change is where young people want to be involved social movement wise and protest wise it's kind of just happened um and in some of the civic engagement work i do i work with flooding communities in helping them create mobilization strategies to combat bad environmental policies and it's just been really interesting to see how it actually impacts people and young people are so aware of it and uh, there's a new doc how we love documentaries there's a new documentary coming out on hulu with greta thunberg all about her and her struggle. And I forget what it's called, but they're advertising it all over on, on Hulu right now. So that should be a good one to watch, but yeah, it would be cool to see what courses maybe we can develop that are definitely oriented in that, like you said, globalization, internationalist uh, perspective, but I think always kind of grounding it in what students are interested in. I think climate change, environmental policy is it's one of those things and, and what can they do to help? and be involved in those movements. So that'd be cool. But are you, te- you're teaching us and. I, no, I'm not. I'll be teaching uh, politics of public policy. So uh-huh. I think they're 
there are a plethora of topics that we could pursue there. And then uh, government business and law, that's part of the pre-law program, uh, which is which is interesting. One of the topics that rolls over from the fall is the whole issue of uh, media regulation, social media regulation, telecommunications that I've been talking with my media students about. It kind of finishes up the media class in the fall and then rolls into the spring over what, you know, what we talked about a, a bit uh, on our program, whether or not uh, there should be more government regulation or industry regulation of what what is posted on uh, on social media. This is that's really my passion and in, in interest right now. Yeah, I bet they love that. I, we just, I mean, my U.S. politics class, we spent one week on the media. And, so, and it was like, it was the most vocal the students have ever been. And it was that debate around whether the government should regulate or not. And it was, I had not, I did not have the answers for them. You would be a lot more better well-versed at, at answering those questions, but it's, they're, they love that topic. I'm not so. sure anybody has has those answers. I mean, uh, one more documentary. I think you 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 mentioned you saw as well the social dilemma. Uh, mm-hmm. We watched it and deconstructed in the last two two and a half classes, and oh, it was a passionate documentary. I think very accurate accurate. But we were shocked that even even those who care deeply and been involved deeply in the actual creation of the these entities over the last twenty years, these young engineers, uh, while they they said that there there are serious issues for our society. They were all over the place in terms of how to respond to it. So, yeah. But you know the old saying: just because you can see a, just because you can't put the fire out, doesn't mean you shouldn't scream fire. And I think there, these are issues that are going to be, especially uh, this is Gen Z's generation. This is this is just the beginning. This may be a new paradigm. Social media. Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox, but. Uh, that's how we, you know. I think it's going to affect their the rest of their lives. Yeah, definitely. I mean, already they were getting most of their information from it, and then I think now the campaigning and all that stuff is so centered on on using social media. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you, Dr. Wessel, for always joining me every week on Voices of Gen Z. If any of our past students are listening, thank you for joining us on the shows over the the past semester and hopefully we look forward to hearing new voices next semester as well as bringing in kind of our old hats who have been on the podcast quite a few times and on the radio show but if any students are listening and they any anything that we said piqued your interest whether it's creating a space for students on campus or more community engagement or you want to join the civic engagement club please reach out to to myself Dr. Kiersey Dobbs or Dr. Wessel Harry Wessel or really any of the professors in the political science department would be more than happy to help you navigate uh, kind of whatever opportunities you might want to be more engaged either on campus or or in the community. So um, thank you for listening and uh, everyone has a fantastic holiday season. Happy Thanksgiving. Stay safe. Mm-hmm.